All right, so this morning we're going to start out uh, with Exodus, chapter 15. All right, Exodus 15 and verse 1. This is after the, uh, the Israelites were, uh, um, where God saved the Israelites from the Egyptians chasing them down. And this is the song of Moses. It says, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Mm-hmm. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters covered them, or the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You, in your mercy, have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they will be as still as a stone. Till your people pass over, O Lord. Till the people pass over whom you have purchased. God has purchased you with a great price. You've been purchased. You're marked. Amen? You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you that you reign. Lord God, we thank you that you reign forever and ever. Lord God, your name is holy. Your name is good. God, your name is power. Your name is great. God, your name is above every other name in heaven and on earth. Your name 
and all shall, all, all, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess to your name, to your goodness, to your holiness. Glory be, your, glory be to your name, Lord God, creator of the universe. We thank you that you are on the throne and that you reign forever. You are our God and we are your people. Purchased. Lord God, and we can take our home in you. And Father, I just pray that as we worship you and praise you this morning, that you would inhabit the praises of your people. We give you glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving as we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus. Everybody just say Jesus. 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 That name above all names. Amen. Amen. Lord, we give you glory and honor this morning. We praise the name of Jesus. That name which is worthy to be praised. Thank you, Jesus, for life and life more abundantly. Thank you, Jesus, for healing. Thank you, Jesus, for, for eternity. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and mercy towards us. Thank you, Jesus, for your friendship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for that name, the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your love towards us. And that's why we're here this morning. We love Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you look at somebody, look at somebody, don't move, just look at them and go, hey, good morning, how you doing? So uh, to introduce, and I'm going to say it this way, but just understand what I'm saying. It's the, my, my last time that I will ever introduce Pastor John Moe because, no, so you got to listen to me here. We're having fun. All right. You have to listen to me. The reason being is always before he was a guest minister. Now he's a, re a minister in residence. <laughs> He's family. And family, you just go, hey, here's John. See you guys later. No, I just, but no, I'm so honored. So glad you guys are, are living here in, in uh, God's country and you're close by and your friendship and, and love. I've known Pastor John and Julie since 2000. Well, I've known Pastor John since 2004 and, and ministered in many places around the world and, and, uh, and uh, prayed and, and sought God and, and worked together in the kingdom. And we're just so excited that they're here in with us here and uh, so excited to see as God moves them forward what he has planned for them. Amen. And I can't, I can't introduce you guys without introducing uh, Jordan and and Jared also. And I only said because I, I looked that way first. And it's not the, uh, Jared is the oldest, Jordan's the younger. And so uh, I should have done it the other way. But I looked, I turned, and that's who I saw first. But uh, their their uh, sons are here, and they have two daughters in Tulsa. Actually, you, you got everybody moved. You got everybody compartmentalized now. So that's nice. But. Uh, I'm so blessed to have them minister this morning, and I believe that God has a word in season for us, and so give a warm welcome to Pastor John Moe. Thank you. Come on. How, why don't we all stand, please? You know, when I was in fourth grade, I had a teacher, and she was from Hawaii. Anyone ever been to Hawaii? Yeah. Yes. Take me with you next time, will you? <laughs> and uh, and uh, she uh, had us do a uh, learn a, tra a, a traditional Hawaiian song with all the little hand gestures and everything, and do the whole hukila thing and all that, you know. And then we had to get up on the stage, and she had fourth grade boys, and we had to wear a grass skirt. <laughs> And we're doing all the motions to uh, hukila or whatever, you know. But one thing she taught us to say was aloha. So turn around, find three people and say aloha. <laughs> Praise God. You can be seated. You can be seated. After Aloha comes Bookum Dano. So someone says, What does he mean? Yeah. 
That means you're under 40 or something like that. So, <laughs> Praise God. It's so good to be here today. If you got your Bibles or your device or whatever, we want to look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. We're so glad that you're here. How I many you know God's here as well? And I believe that God has something for everybody in the room. Amen. Amen. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I, I was a picky eater. And sometimes people can be picky in church. But I believe that there's something for everyone here in the room. You know, when I was, I was a picky eater, I didn't like peas. And, and, and so I had my, I'd hide my peas under my mashed potatoes. To pretend like I ate my peas. But now I like peas. Why are you saying all this? Sometimes... We don't always like everything, but things are necessary for our health. Things are necessary for help for us to be healthy and well-balanced and to grow in life. And I believe today that this message is one of those types of messages. It may not be exactly what you're expecting today, but I believe that it will help you grow, all right? And so Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, if you can turn there. Luke's Go- if you're there, say, I'm there with you, Pastor. <laughs> I'm reading out of a New King James Bible, and it says this, verse 25, and it says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your what? and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came from where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him. And bandaged, notice this, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he had departed, he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor of him who fell among thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Let, that's my text for this morning. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're just so thankful for the written word of God. We, we're so thankful for the living word of God. And we're so thankful that for each one of us, you have something for us today. And Father, we're so grateful for your Holy Spirit that helps us to receive all that you would have for us. We thank you that we're led by the Spirit of God during this message. Our hearts are wide open. Our ears are wide open to hear and receive all that you would have for each one of us. In Jesus' name, someone said amen. Amen. You know, of course, this is a story that's very familiar to many in the Bible. And um, this morning, I want to I want to tackle a topic that's really I believe is really needed in the church today and things that are going on in uh, America today. And I, I use this story, and I want to talk to you about the subject of racism today. And racism is something that is very uh, front and center here in the United States today. And racism is something that's been around since almost the beginning of time. And I'm really disturbed by what I hear as people talk about the subject of racism. I I listen to the world as they address the subject. And as they address the subject, uh, I I realize that they don't have the answer. But how many know God has an answer? 
I'll say it again, God has the answer. You know what America needs? We need God's answer, not man's answer. We don't need vain philosophies. And, you know, passing laws doesn't change a person's heart. You can pass all the laws you want to, you know. People still run red lights. (laughs) People still park where they're not supposed to park at, right? And so today, with God's help, we'll examine some things from the Word of God that I believe will help us. And if we'll keep our hearts open... Because, you know, racism is a really a, it's a hot issue and people can get really offended very easily. And just don't be offended. Just sit back and relax, but strap in as well. OK, <laughs> so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. All right. You know, here in this story, we have um, this lawyer wanting to justify himself. And he has Jesus, who is my neighbor. And uh, in verse 28, he said, uh, he said, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus answered and said, and started talking about this man who went down from Jerusalem and he went down to Jericho and fell among thieves. And of course, they stripped his clothes, wounded him and departed and leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest uh, came down the road and he passed by on the other side. Then a Levite came and passed by and looked the other way and passed by on the other side. But it was a certain Samaritan. Everyone say Samaritan. Samaritan. He said, a man came down from Jerusalem. That leaves me with the impression that the man was probably Jewish. And then you have people that came across a man that was in a terrible situation. And you have the two, what we would call the religious leaders in, in, of the day, and they passed by the other side. I thought religious leaders are supposed to get involved. Amen. But what I hear today is a lot of religious leaders that are silent. I don't want to get involved in this situation. This is messy. This is going to require some time for me. This is going to cost me something. And this man was stripped and he was left half dead. But notice this. The Bible says that it was a Samaritan. Everyone say Samaritan. Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews had no dealings with one another. The Jews hated the Samaritans because the Samaritans were half Jews, number one. And so they kind of looked down their noses like, you're not a full Jew like me, you're a half Jew, and we don't have anything to do with you. Number two, you don't worship like we worship, so we don't have anything to do with you. I think it's very interesting that it was the Samaritan that's helping what I think is this Jewish man that had been attacked on the road. In order for him to do that, he had to step away from what was culturally being taught and accepted in his day and get involved in this situation because it doesn't matter what religion you are or what ethnicity you are. It's that you're a human being and you're hurting and you need help. Praise the Lord. Amen. And you have to get involved, see? And when people are hurting, they need you. You know, people need you when uh, they need you. Uh, You know, someone says, well, I'm too busy. Well, when people are hurting, they need. What do they need? They need people that will have compassion on them. They need people who will pour in the oil and the wine. They need people who are willing to pay the price. You know, he bandages wounds up, puts them on his beast, takes them over to the end, puts them in the end. And, you know, it cost him something to do this. But Jesus said, which one of which one of them is the neighbor? He says, the one that showed compassion. He goes, you go and do likewise. You know, when it comes to racism, racism, when someone has experienced racism, what they need is not for you to be silent. They need you to come alongside them and say, hey, I'm with you, brother. What was done wasn't right. How can I pray for you? Can I help you in any kind of way? And what I see today is that there's a great fear in our country about getting involved and speaking up. Are you guys still hanging in here with me this morning? (laughs) I'll talk a little bit about some things from my own life. You know, I grew up, I was a a boy in the 60s. And in the 60s here in the United States, racism was very prevalent. And I lived in the South and the South was a tough place to be living. 
When I was a kid, they still had uh, colored-only bathrooms. Anyone old enough to remember that? It was just bathrooms for color. If you were white, you didn't use a colored bathroom. And if you were colored, you didn't use a white bathroom. And it was a separation there. Right? And um, I remember that uh, they had a... Uh, a man, uh, a minister by the Martin Luther King Jr., right? And he was talking about desegregation and talking about racism and stuff and uh, leading peaceful protests. Peaceful protests. Very peaceful protests. And all different types of people of color and ethnic groups joined him in his march. And they were unified, and they wanted to see some things change in our country. Well, how many of you know that that was God? God wanted to see some things change, right? Things don't change when you're silent. You know, if there's issues in your marriage, you can't just be silent and expect things to change. Let's go to this side of the room. <laughs> if you've got some things going on in your marriage, you can't be silent. At sooner or later, you got to talk about some things, right? right? And he was talking about some things, and um, and so I watched as a kid, you know, and I can remember when they would, you know, it crossed over into the religious circles, and they were in the South, they were burning of churches because how dare the you Christians talk about equality and being equal and all of this and we're talking about civil rights and things of this nature i saw um you know sometimes you know you would see dogs released against um, uh, people of color and fire hoses turn on and i remember as a little boy going like man man this is a rough place <laughs> i like i'm i'm seven years old going like god this is a rough place why am i here this is a tough world to live in. And of course, his assassination took place and living in the South after that, there were riots in our community. There was gunfire and riots and a whole amusement park was burned to the ground. It sounds a whole lot like today, doesn't it? And I was afraid. There's fear every place. Fear in our country, fear amongst people of different ethnicities, fear, you know, and that has to be dealt with. Right. And um, and then after that, you know, we had the in the 60s, we had the Vietnam War going on and listening to the news and then people being killed every day. I'm thinking like, man, I'm not even 10. This is a tough world. <laughs> and then I, you know. I get over into my high school years and and I'm just experiencing this, you know, racism thing. I can remember as a I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. I can remember as a boy walking the streets and you know it's hot and we lived in shooting right next to Shoot 'em Up Alley. You know where Shoot 'em Up Alley's at? It's where you didn't you cross this street and people are shooting one another. And it was a rough neighborhood. It was tough. And I grew up, my mom was divorced, and she's got this, these kids, and we're living in this rough neighborhood and stuff. And, you know, I experienced a lot of different racism uh, as a kid growing up. And I thought to myself, God, I, I said, God, you know, why is it? I didn't pick to be black. Why is everyone mad at people of color? What, what, what's up with this, God? You know, and I would have conversations with God. But I didn't realize that God had put some things or allowed me to experience some things. How many of you know he knows when you should be born in life, right? Amen. And just because you're going through some stuff doesn't mean that God isn't there, right? Well, that's kind of the introduction to my message this morning. And so we want to talk about this. The title of this message is Love and Answer for Racism. Turn to your neighbor and say, Love is the Answer. Love. I wanted to divine racism. I saw this. I looked up a couple of definitions. Racism is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against a person or people on the basis of their membership in a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. That's one definition of racism. 
Well, you know, if that's a definition of racism, we certainly see that in our world today. Uh, another definition, racism, the belief that human beings may be divided into separate and exclusive biological entities called races. And there is a casual link between inherited physical traits and traits of personality, intelligence, morality, and other cultural and behavioral features. And some races are inherently superior than others. Well, isn't that what Adolf Hitler said? That if you are a certain race, we're superior to you and you're less than I. Dictionary.com says a belief or doctrine that inherit differences among various human racial groups determine cultural or individual achievement, usually involving the idea that one's race is superior and has a right to dominate others or that a particular racial group is inferior to others. Well, those are some definition of racism. Is racism alive and well today? Yes, it is. And racism is just not in America. And racism isn't just a black and white thing. Go ask somebody who's Hispanic. Racism, if you were, years ago, if you came to America and you were Irish, you experienced racism. Many people that came and saw the Statue of Liberty and came to our nation experienced racism as they came into our country. If your eyes are a little bit slanted, I mean, right now, people that are Asian are experiencing racism because people are blaming the coronavirus on them. And many people are being mistreated who are Asian just because they are from Asia. And so racism is not just a black and white thing. You're listening to me here. We have to describe it for what it is. It can take place through different groups of people. You know, Jesus said in the last days, nations shall rise up against nation. One translation says ethnic group against ethnic group. Are there a whole lot of ethnic groups fighting and mad at one another? It's here, but God has an answer for it. You guys still hanging here with me? The first, my first point that I want to give you for this uh, message today, love is an answer for racism. You and I must do this one thing. We must guard our hearts. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to guard your heart against it. <laughs> you know, uh, Proverbs 4.23 says this, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put away perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look to the right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left or remove your, fo- and remove your foot from evil. New Living Translation says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. You know, you just don't, you weren't born a racist. Nobody's born a racist. You, you, know, you know how racism gets in? It's by what you listen to. And it's by what you see. It's, about, it's by your life experiences. Sometimes, you know, <clears throat> you may grow up in a home where racism was prevalent in the home. And things were just downloaded into the hard drive of your heart by the people that you lived in the house with. Sometimes racism comes into a person's heart and prejudice comes into a person's heart just because of the culture that they live in. You're still hanging in here with me this morning, right? You know, we're Samaritans. You people are Jewish. Well, I'm Jewish. I'm not going to go eat lunch with a Samaritan. I don't have anything to do with you folks. And you just grew up and that was the culture that you grew up in. Sometimes it's just the age that you grew up in. You know, if you go back into the 40s and 50s and 60s here in America, in America, there was a lot of racism, right? And you're a product of just being in that environment. But then things start to change, see? And so how does change come about? 
think change comes about by people doing something about it, by people talking about it and dealing with the issue, right? And so you have to guard your heart. I want to say, I'm going to guard my heart. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. Put away perverse lips far from you. You know, what gets in your heart eventually comes out of your mouth. How do you spot a racist? Just listen to what they say. That's how you spot a racist. It's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Well, how did it get in there? You didn't guard your heart. I mean, you know, you have to, and wait a minute now, let's look at racism. There's two sides to it. There's one thing, if, uh, the, if you're the person inflicting your racist viewpoints and ideas and things like that on another group of people or persons, but there's another side of it if you're the person receiving it, right? I don't care which side of the coin you're on, you still have to guard your heart. Because if you don't hard your, if it, I'm telling you what, if someone's uh, saying things or treating me badly, you know, if I don't guard my heart, bitterness can get in my heart. I, I'll say it again. I said bitterness can start working in there, a root of bitterness. And you can be, did you know you can get bitter from folks by what they did to you? You know, this is why some people in a divorce is because in marriage they get bitter about what a spouse did to them. You've got to guard your heart against bitterness. You've got to guard your heart against un uh, uh, unforgiveness. A lot of times where you find racism, you'll find unforgiveness. And you just have to guard, make a decision. I'm going to guard my heart against it. If you can do that, you can overcome it. Amen? And it needs to be overcome. Uh, John's Gospel, chapter 13, Jesus said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Did Jesus give uh, these guys a new commandment? That you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have what? Love one for another. Everyone say, love one for another. Did you know one of the ways is the church, as the church of the living God, we need to love folk. I know some people are tough to love. You know, there are some people that it's easy to love them long distance. <laughs> I'll call you once a month. It's easier loving you that way. But Jesus said, all men will know you're my disciples by the love you have one for another. See, love gets involved. Amen. That Samaritan must have loved this man and had compassion and went and got involved in that situation. And then as the church of the living God, when you don't get involved and you just remain silent, maybe it's that you don't really love. Maybe it's more fear than love. Well, perfect love casts out fear, doesn't it? That's what the Word of God says. If you've asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, the love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts, right? So it's, we can love people. Did you know you can love people that are different than you? Did you know, uh, sometimes people, you know, can, ah, my dear God. Did you know that sometimes, you know, we can be very judgmental of people? Just because someone's different than you doesn't mean that they're not valuable. Right. Amen, right? If someone comes in and they got spiked hair and they're all tattooed up with artwork and stuff, some people say, I'm not going to have anything to do with them. But did you know what? You need to love them. Amen? Amen? It's, if people are different than you, we're capable of loving folks because the love of God's in our hearts. Amen. It pays to love people. I'll give you an example of my own, out of my own life. I was just born again, had become a brand new Christian. And at the time I was working in a restaurant, I was a waiter. And um, at this restaurant, it was a Friday night and it was my first table night. Clocked in. Okay, what's the special night? Fine. Go to this table. Hi, my name's Gern. <laughs> my name's John. I'm going to be your waiter tonight. <laughs> you know, and I tell him what the special is. Uh, 
what can I get for you? Would you like something to drink? This lady was an older couple. This lady says, I'll have this. And I said to the husband, I said, what would you like? And he didn't answer me. And I said, would you care for anything to drink, sir? And he wouldn't answer me. And his wife said, he'll have this. I don't remember what it was. I said, okay, fine. I go back, I take the order, I go back, I turn the order in so someone can get their drinks. For, and I said, oh my God, it's going to be one of those nights. <laughs> my first table. And while I'm back there, um, one of the waitresses who I work with came to me and said, uh, who's got table number one? And I said, I do. She goes, I thought that you had it. She goes, um, no, she didn't say that. She didn't say that. That was another situation. She said that you got table one, John. I said, yeah, I've got it. And she goes, um, there, they, there's a problem. I go, what's the problem? They don't like you. Why don't they like me? Because you're black. Well, that's a real eye-opener, right? And she said, I said to the, it was the guy at the table, and she said, uh, she said, I said to him, I said, well, that black guy is a friend of mine. And then uh, he said, you're as bad as he is. And then he used the racial slur with the N-word. So what are you going to do in that situation? Did Jesus say, by love, all men will know you're my disciples by what? By the love you have one for another. I'm just a baby Christian. I was taught two things right when I got born again. I was taught to tithe and give offerings and walk in love with people. That's, that's about all I knew in my Christian walk. So I said, okay. So I went out to the table and I said to these people, I said, I understand that you would prefer someone else to wait on you. I said, um, I'll be happy. And I'm, the lady was Ruth and she's going to wait on you. And you people have a wonderful night. Thank you. And come back and see us again. And I walked away. And so what happened was this is that the enemy, how many you know we have an enemy called Satan, right? And then he worked on me all night. He says, you know what? Those people are really, they're just a bunch of racist people. You should be mad at them. And he worked on me at 6 o'clock, at 7 o'clock, at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. He bring back the words that were said. So they would replay in my heart. 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. I got home from work. Those words worked on me. <clears throat> Next day, those words have worked on me. That was on a Friday. The enemy worked on me on Saturday to get me in unforgiveness and get me mad and upset. He worked on me uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. On Thursday of the following week, I'm saying, Satan, get behind me in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And then on Friday, I'm back at work again. I come into work Friday night. My my uh, manager at the restaurant says, uh, John, I got a letter from you. I got you a letter from me. It's addressed to John, the black waiter. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I said, I come to work and I get a Dear John letter. So I open the letter up. I opened the letter up and it says, Dear John, uh, I'm sure you will remember us last on Friday night and gave the date. We were in the restaurant and me and my husband were in for dinner. And um, my husband requested that uh, you not wait on us. I said, I remember that as I read the letter. And she says, for the first time in our life, me and my husband had a long conversation. In this conversation, we determined that I was able to address with my husband something that I had known for many years is that he was a racist. And we had never talked about it in our marriage. Then she says, the second thing she said was this. She goes, for the first time in my life, I had to deal with my husband on the fact that he's an alcoholic. When we came to the restaurant, he already had too much to drink. And we had to talk about that. And she said that uh, you were so kind and loving toward us. Uh, we, she said, we really appreciate that. 
And she goes, the treatment that you received that night was not good. And she goes, uh, here's a, I've included in here a tip for you. And she goes, when me and my husband come in, we'd like to come in again, and we would like to request that you wait on us. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. See, love is the secret weapon that triumphs in life. Love will always triumph over hatred. Amen. Love is greater than unforgiveness. Love is a higher way, is a better way to go than to allow bitterness to get in your heart. Because the Bible says bitterness rots the bones. Why rot on the inside when you can walk in love with people? Amen. Amen. Number two, everyone say number two. As far as love being an answer racism, it can be accomplished by renewing your mind to the word of God. Do you know you have to renew your mind to what the Word of God has to say on the subject? Did you know the Bible is loaded with stories about racism and what God thinks and how you deal with it? And you have to go in and you have to find those uh, things in the Word of God and renew, renew your mind to those things. Go with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts the 10th chapter, please. Acts chapter 10. Someone says, I don't know what I think about this. You're here in the right place, right? Acts chapter 10, we have the story of a man whose name was Cornelius, and he was a disciple, and God spoke to him about, <clears throat> uh, he said that uh, your prayers and your arms have come up as memorial. Now send men, verse 5, now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea, and he will tell you what you must do. He will tell you what you must do, Right? And so God wants to see Cornelius and his household be born again. How many of you know that's important in life, right? Amen. So he sends men out to go to Peter's place. Aren't you glad that God knows your name and knows where you live at? <laughs> God knows your name and he knows where you live at and who's in the house with you. Amen. Verse 9, the next day as they went on their journey, they drew near the cedar city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, and he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheep bound at four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. And it were all kinds of four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, creepy things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, Not so, Lord, for I've never eaten any anything common or unclean and a voice spoke to him again the second time what God has cleansed you must not call common uh, this was done three times and the object was taken uh, up into heaven again and then Peter wondered about the vision and then a knock at the door and there at the doors are standing men who what the Jewish believe were common people that they weren't supposed to associate with and Jesus gave Peter the vision, uh, what I have cleansed, don't you dare call common. Did you know the blood of Jesus was poured out for every human being on the earth? Amen. Do you know the blood of Jesus was poured out for every ethnic group on the earth? Amen. And so while we don't associate with them because they're just commoners, know what I've cleansed. Every, it, every kind of beast, four-footed, it was a mixture. Did you know there's a mixture of races here on or races here on the earth, right? And ethnic groups, right? Yep. And so Peter, Jewish guy, fisherman, rough, tough fisherman, salty language at one time, <laughs> is now having to go with these men, and he follows these men to Cornelius' house. And Peter got a big revelation from God. You know what his revelation was that day? God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. And God, was, and God taught me this. He says, it's not the color of your skin 
that determines how your life goes. If you'll put your trust in me, I'm no respecter of person. What I do for one, I'll do for another. How many you know that's a loving God? Amen. Well, that's good news for a black guy. And for a white guy. Yes, that's exactly right. I'm telling you, if you're Hungarian, that's good news for you, right? We were over in Europe, you know, we, see, we saw gypsies on the street. And people had always taught me about gypsies. And I was out on the street, and the first time I saw a gypsy, I thought, that's a gypsy, by what people had described them as. And gypsies are not very well treated in Europe. Little short people. And I thought, these are gypsies. And where other people would not want to have anything to do with it, the group we were traveling with, we would minister to them. God's no respecter of persons. You know, what he did for me, he'll do for you. What he did for you, he'll do for the gypsies. He'll do it for a Packers fan. (laughs) Struck a nerve there, didn't I? It's questionable. It's questionable. God's no respecter of persons. You know, God isn't into parties. One party hates another party. I don't know how God could ever bless a Democrat. I don't know how God could ever bless a Republican. Isn't it interesting? Did you know that it's the enemy that comes in and, d- and divides us? And so we have to renew our mind to what the word of God, uh, what the word of God has to say. Acts ten thirty four. Peter, Peter opened his mouth and said, "I perceive that God is, shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears Him and works righteousness is, is accepted by Him." So and shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Romans twelve two says, "Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." We have to renew our mind to what the Word of God has to say on the subject. Amen? So I'm going to give you some scriptures. I'll rifle these off real quick. Exodus, if you're taking notes, Exodus 22, 21. Uh, ye shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. God told the Jews, hey, you're not supposed to mistreat a stranger. I wonder how the, some of the Hispanics feel when they come into our country today. Very interesting, isn't it? Exodus 23, 9. Also, thou shalt not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, seeing you were strangers in the land of Egypt. That's two scriptures on that subject. Leviticus 19.33, if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be as to you as one born amongst you. But yet we're afraid of strangers. Deuteronomy 10.19, love ye therefore the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. Isn't that, that's a lot, isn't it? I just gave you four scriptures on that. How about this? This is a biggie. You, this is, anyone like big gulps? You know, you go to the store and you get a big pop, supersized, you know, 84 ounce thing, you know. <laughs> this is one of those, right? Acts chapter. Acts chapter 17, verse 26 says this, and he has made from one blood every nation of men. (laughs) I I said God made everyone from one blood. Every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Contemporary Bible reads it this way. For, for from one person, God has made all nations who live on the earth, and he's decided when and where every nation would be. You know, just because someone has a different, um, um, their pigmentation of their skin 
is lighter than you or darker than you doesn't mean that you're superior to them. Because according to the word of God, we all came from one blood. We are not Hatfields and McCoys. <laughs> we are not black and white, right? We are ebony and ivory. <laughs> Living together in perfect harmony. <laughs> I could sing it. <laughs> The truth is, is that we all came from one blood. I do not hear this on TV today. The Bible says that a house divided against itself will not stand. A city divided against itself will not stand. A nation divided against itself will not stand. How about you whipping that scripture out and saying, I believe what the Bible says. We all came from one blood. So why on earth would I hate my brother here, or hate this person here? That's a great scripture, isn't it? Yes. Man. First uh, Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So often as we live our lives, we just look at an outward appearance. And when you just judge something on the outward appearance, you'll miss what God sometimes has for you or for that person. You have to grow in your walk with God and you have to grow in your love walk. And it just doesn't, you don't develop a love walk overnight. You have to grow in that. You know, um, I mean, it's like uh, within the last 30 days, I've had experiences where I'm just walking down the street and someone has seen me and they cross the road to the other side of the street. Or if you've never been and see if, if you have if you if you're not a person of color, you may not even understand these things. But, you know, there are times when uh, you'd all be you'll pull up at Walmart and get out of a Walmart and go through the parking lot and people lock their doors because they're afraid. You're just looking at an outward appearance. These things take place. Or you ever go into a department store and you have a store detective follow you because you're a person of color. But see, some of these things may be shocking to you because we don't talk about these things. I learned this, that if you're going to walk in love, you've got to have real thick skin like a turtle. <laughs> you've got to be like a turtle. Got to have a hard shell. And don't let that stuff bother you. It makes, you know, whether we realize it or not, we all came from one blood and we're more alike than you think. Amen? Amen. Galatians 3 says it this way, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Did you know when you put your faith in Christ Jesus, not your work, not your denomination, did you know that you can become a son of God? And do you know when you become a son of God, you're in the family of God? And did you know there's a whole bunch of people of color in the family of God? Did you know that there's every God wants every nation on the earth to come in and be a part of his family? But if you have division and you have ought against a person or a group of people, did you know it hinders God from doing what he wants to do in the earth today? Did you know on the day of Pentecost that that was uh, a very special day because men from every nation under heaven were gathered in that place on that day? Did you know the reason the Spirit of God was put out on that day is because all these men were gathered? God wanted the nations to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He wanted the nations to know that God is real. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Makes all the difference in the world. How about this? It, at, when it's all said and done, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 says it this way. And after this, I saw a large crowd with more people than could be, than could be counted. 
They, uh, they were from every race, tribe, nation, and language, and they stood before the throne, before the Lamb. They wore white robes and held palm branches in their hands. Someone shout hallelujah. hallelujah. That was out of the Contemporary English Bible. Every nation, every tribe, and every race. And so, you know, if you got an issue with people and you have hatred in your heart toward a person because of an ethnic group, because they're from some ethnicity, then you're going to be uncomfortable in heaven. Amen. For a long time. <laughs> right? It'd be good for you to eat some Italian food. <laughs> Can't wait. I'm sure the Italians can cook in heaven. <laughs> and then the Greeks are up next week, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. And then we get enchiladas the week after that. <laughs> then after that, we get some Chinese. Then we sing Chinese praise and worship songs. Did you know that did you know you one time we were visiting at some of my relatives and we were in a particular city and we went to an all black church and my wife was the only white person in the church and we came into the church did you know a picture of jesus at the last supper with his disciples everyone was black <laughs> really? did you know that as you visit different ethnic groups they view Jesus like the, they are. And that was a very interesting experience on that particular Sunday. We're at church, and a couple of our relatives attend this church. And the night, and this is in the South, and the night before, the Ku Klux Klan, the day before, held a rally in that city. And they watched, they were had their white hoods on, and they you know, had set a cross on fire, and I don't know why the city gave them a permit to do their deal, but they did. And so we're in this church. Everyone say, in the church. <laughs> and then this bishop and a bunch of ministers are sit sitting on the platform, and this minister gets up and says, do you know what those white people said about us yesterday? And my wife, being the only white person in the room, had every eye in the room looked at her. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> and she handled it like a champ. And the mistake is this. If you think your battle is with flesh and blood, you're highly mistaken. Your battle isn't with a Hispanic person. Your battle isn't with a white person. It isn't with an African-American. It isn't with a Native American, right? I even hate the hyphen. We're Americans. Are you seeing what I'm saying? African-American, Asian-American. Get rid of that. I'm just an American. It's a, it's a division thing. And I thought that scripture came to me, our battle isn't with flesh and blood, but it's principalities and powers, right? Your battle isn't with a person of color or some type of group, a nation of people. Our battle is a spiritual battle, amen? I remember when Jesus went to the well, I'm almost done, I got two minutes, Jesus went to the well and he reached out to the Samaritan woman that was at the well. And Jesus asked her for a drink of water, and she's going to go get Jesus some water. And she's marveled. She goes, I'm a, I'm a Samaritan, and the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus said to her, if you knew who was here, right here before you, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Did you know, like Jesus, we have something to give people? We can give them Jesus. We can give them living water. We can give them love. And Jesus crossed over the line, a racial line that day. 
And he said, go call your husband. She goes, I have no husband. He goes, you're right. You have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the one you're living with is not your husband. She goes, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that that woman's looking for a man to fill the emptiness in her life that only God can fill? That's why people sleep around with all kinds of people. That's why people do drugs and alcohol and stuff. You're trying to fill something. You know, that's why people do pornography. You're trying to fill something up on the inside of you that only God can fill. And none of that will ever satisfy. And the Bible says this. It says she left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men. Maybe she didn't have very many female friends. There's a man out here telling me all about my life. Couldn't this be the Messiah? She left her water pot. She left out of what she had been drinking out of. Maybe you've been drinking the Kool-Aid of racism. Maybe there's hatred in your heart for somebody that's different than you. Maybe you're here in the room this morning and there's unforgiveness toward another human being in your heart. Whether it's black or white. I met a man one time, I was on the streets doing doing street evangelism in Des Moines, Iowa. And I came across this guy and I started sharing Christ with him. And he could quote more scriptures out of the Bible than I could. I said, are you a believer? He goes, yes. I said, if you're a believer, why are you sleeping on on a bench a bus bench out here on the main street. You remember that? Were you with me on that one? Why are you sleeping on the on this bench? He goes, I'm mad. I go, what are you mad about? I'm mad at the government. Why are you mad at the government? They did us wrong in Vietnam. I go, you're a Christian, and you're mad at the government, and you're so mad at the government that you have nothing in your life, and you're sleeping on a park bench. I said, what about the love of God, and what about forgiving our government? Remember what I said, you got to guard your heart. For out of it flows the issues of life. And your heart will take you someplace that you don't even, you shouldn't even be living there. We just have to forgive folks, amen? If, If a person of color did something against someone in your family or whatever, just forgive them. Amen? makes all the difference in the world. That changed your life. And let's take Jesus. Let's cross the fence. Let's cross over all fence, cross over the fence and reach people for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand on your feet, please, as we close today? I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to turn it over to Brian right after I'm done here. God's here this morning. There's a whole lot more I could say, but I want you to know this, that God loves everybody. If you're here this morning, why don't you bow your head and close your eyes, please? No one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've got awed against someone, you've got awed against a person of color, maybe you're here this morning for the first time in your life, you realize that you're a racist. Maybe you're here this morning and there's bitterness in your heart because of what someone did to you or a family member or to your family. Maybe you're here this morning and God touched your heart and you realize that there needs to be a change in your life. Well, the power of God is here and the compassion of God is here to help you. If you're here this morning, it's very difficult to love people unless you have Jesus in your heart. Unless you receive him as Lord and Savior of your life, it's difficult to love people. I'm going to lead us in a prayer today, all of us in a prayer today. We're not asking anyone to raise your hands. This is heart business. This is heart business. God is dealing with hearts this morning. I'm going to pray a simple prayer today, and I want you to follow me in this prayer, and I believe God will help you and help me and help all of us. 
Say this prayer with me. Say, Father, Father in, the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you said in the Word of God, that if I would judge myself, I wouldn't be judged. And today I'm judging myself. You've touched my heart. Today, I ask you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. I believe that you died for me on the cross. I believe that you died also for others on the cross. I believe the Father raised you from the dead. And I believe that you've called me to love people. So today, I confess you as Lord of my life. And now that I've done that, I ask you to forgive me for not forgiving people. Forgive me of the hate that I've had in my heart. Forgive me. I choose to let go of bitterness today. I release people from their sins. Thank you for this message. Help me to grow in my love walk. Help me mature in my walk with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't God a good God? I can't wait to, you know, I was going to say, I can't wait till I get to heaven. I just don't want to go there right now. <laughs> you know, football season hasn't started yet. <laughs> but, you know, when we get to heaven, everyone's going to love everybody. We live in a fallen world. You know that? Everyone's going to love everyone. It's going to be a great place. I am so glad that you're coming with me. Amen? Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time you made Jesus Lord of your life, be sure to contact the church or let Pastors John and Debbie know about that, okay? God bless you. You can be seated.